Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein, and we like to do it in the world of sports and business and comedy and music and pastoring and authors and testimonies. And uh, today, we don't usually do this. I think this is only the second time it's ever happened, but we have back-to-back weeks with the same guy because last time we talked, we got into so much, I knew we would not be able to hold it all together. So we said, let's come back for a week two, and we are doing that with my new friend who I feel like I've known a whole lot longer than I have, but Zach Mirkrebs coming to us from the great Wildcat Cardinal State of bluegrassness, Kentucky. Welcome back, Zach. Thanks for having me back. I'm more of a Wildcat fan, but because I work at Asbury, you can say, go Eagles. Ooh, there you go. That's true. I, I looked them up the other day. I told you I'm planning my youngest son's visit to Asbury, so I did recognize the word Eagles, which is my middle school I went to and we played sports. We were the Eagles, so I'm always soft spotted for uh, people who or have ties to anything named Eagles. There you go. It's a word from the Lord. There you go. You know, it's interesting. So I've been a Louisville Cardinal basketball fan, and it's come up on here before for years, second only to the great state of Tennessee and the University of Tennessee. And I was at a basketball game recently where I was at University of Cincinnati. They were playing at Evansville. And me and my buddies looked over to the Will Call side where we were and like, probably 10 feet from us, I looked over, I'm like, hey, isn't that Chris Mack, who used to coach Louisville, who before that coached at Xavier, and it was him, and he was so unassuming, and I walked over to him, I'd met him, what, nine years prior to, and later, I saw him again after the game, and showed him a picture, and we talked and interacted, he was the most unassuming, you would have never known he was a big-time college coach, who got paid lots and lots of money by Louisville, and then when they fired him, he got paid lots and lots of money to go away, as happens in that world of sports. And it was funny. It would have been funnier if it was a Louisville-Kentucky thing, but it was a UC Xavier thing. We got a picture, so I could have two pictures nine years apart. And he said, you know what's funny? I have never taken a picture where the backdrop was Cincinnati. I laughed. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'm glad I get the first. So Today's the day. What is it like living there, by the way, that whole Louisville, Kentucky thing? Is it so dominated by Kentucky it doesn't really feel like anything, or is does it feel like a civil yeah. war at all? Especially in Lexington, man, everyone's everyone bleed blue. It's so new, you know, I grew up not in college sports. Yep. You know, I grew up in Colorado where really we only had CU and CU's now all over because of prime, but Dion. it wasn't a big deal. You know what I mean? So College sports was new to me, but Lexington, man, it's crazy. It's like a, we say like Rep Arena is the biggest church in Kentucky. It just oh, yeah. worships a different God. So, so you know, it's funny, a previous podcast guest on here, Ron Edmondson, who pastors at Emmanuel Baptist, yeah. he said it, it took him a while, but they learned pretty quick 
never plan things on Saturday nights when Kentucky has a home basketball game. Or yeah, I remember we would pass, we'd plan to the church downtown Lexington and we just knew that just pretending the traffic people wouldn't get to church. Oh, uh, okay. But, and it's funny being around here because Ohio State, you know, people definitely make their schedules around Ohio State with football, particularly football, a whole lot more. But I'm like, yeah, Lexington, if you're right there, which I think I told you before, I love the city of Lexington. It's a great, great awesome. city. So I'm, I'm jealous you get to go partake in things I think we've talked about there before. So, well, before we got started, and I won't give away too much of the timeline here, but you just had the pleasure of speaking to an audience of 55,000. Trump's my 2,500 I got to speak to once, big time. But uh, what was it like being at Passion 2024? I was uh, super just grace, grateful and humbled. It's a big space, so I was a little bit wobbly, for sure. But, you know, I was just blown away by the leaders of Passion and how they hosted us and how they championed our voice and our experience and it was so special to be in a room with 55,000 young adults that could be anywhere else, but they decided to be there. And leaders that, you know, I've never been in a place that's so programmed and so beautiful and just everything was so excellent. I've been a part of something as much like that, but it was all with the exact same heart of humility and hunger for a move of God for this generation. And, and we saw God move on that and uh it deeply marked me it was just a couple of days ago so my wife and i are still processing oh your wife got to go with of, you yeah it was unbelievable super yeah. cool so cool yeah i'm excited for the day that god willing if it's still going on when mm. my six-year-old is old enough i can't wait to take her yeah so what's that like i mean what percent of people would you guess were i mean obviously it's a lot of young people but what percent of people were over the age of 30 or 35 if you had to guess, just ballpark it. Maybe like 10 to 15% because of leaders. and So it really is that young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everywhere you go. Yeah. And our section was mostly like folks that were involved or were pastors or leaders in other, or, you know, other churches or ministries. So we were old, but everywhere else it was just students, students, students. Yeah. So when did you get that call to speak at it? What was that like? I mean, is that like, uh, you know, some third string quarterback who gets the call to be at the uh, <laughs> Pro Football Hall of Fame? And you're like, and you think it's a joke? And you're like, yeah, you didn't really call me and ask me to do this. Did you? Or, I mean, was it yeah. months and months ago? Was it a week before? And and uh, I'm sure it's not Louis Giglio calling you, but somebody is. Yeah, it was a, it was a couple months ago when the, the idea first came up. And, you know, it was, a, it was really amazing with what happened at Asbury in February, we had lots of leaders from all over the world come and Louis was one of them. And, you know, we had heard about Louis was there over the overnight and just sitting in the balcony and just handled himself really beautifully. And some other people from passion worship came carrying Cody Carnes came like these leaders that were involved with passion and they had communicated with us how impactful it was. And they had kind of mentioned us bringing students down and coming and sharing, but um, making a, a new friend named JP. JP was speaking at Passion. And Is JP that JP Pacluda? Yeah. Okay, so you've got to know him, huh? Yeah. 
he's been amazing, super gracious and kind of like a big brother for me to process with and That's come cool. freaking out if I text him. And he introduced me to a gentleman who uh, has become a, a friend, Brad Jones, who then reached out and said, man, we love the idea of maybe you come in and bring in some students. And then we prayed through, you know, what students do you have on that kind of stage? We, we really are, we want the students to tell the story, but at the same time, we want to steward their souls and hearts. Sure. And, and uh, so Asbury was wise enough to say, man, and we'd love to champion the students and get them down there. But so when we communicated back to Brad that, you know, it might be best if it was just one of us. So I think we landed like details probably three or four weeks ago. So oh, wow. It was awesome. So meaningful. Got to speak for, you know, just a couple minutes and then prompt a time of campuses gathering and people gathering and praying for fresh outpourings in their context. And God really moved. And and then next day, uh, God really moved in a mighty way. It'll, it'll deeply mark me for sure. You know, we, we've all probably heard the stories or used verbiage like it was as if God spoke to me as if I was the only person in a room. Hmm. What was like that in that moment for you? Whatever, whenever it was throughout, how many days was it? Three days? It's about like two days spread over. It, yeah. It was Wednesday night, all day Thursday, Friday morning. Yeah. Okay. Knowing you and where you allow God to work in your life, I'm sure there was. What What was a moment like or, you know, whatever, where you felt like I'm the only person here and God is whispering in my ear here? Yeah. You know, you know this season, bro, has just been pretty disorienting. It really just since February, just finding myself in opportunities and and really just really longing to be close to Jesus and it all and probably to a fault, mm. sometimes saying yes to fear mm. and not friendship with Jesus, like being just so afraid of becoming an arrogant punk, you know? the generous word punk yeah generous word kind word and and there's really been this question like man can can i do this and in one hand not just be the guy who preached at asbury like the kid who like won state and still talks about it but like but also to not become this like bigger than my britches Mm -hmm. you know Sure. And, I, and really then the invitation to passion was actually probably turning the heat up on that even more just because of the size of it really, really was shaken up, you know, to, can I, can I do this? And there was a moment during Thursday night's session when Louis, there was like an 80 foot inflatable cross just smack dab in the middle of the stadium. Wow. And, they uh he was talking about are you operating in the shadow of the cross or the shadow of your shame and i just felt like the lord really spoke to me in that moment of like you know zach you can do this if you stay and operate in the shadow of the cross if you Mm. operate in the shadow of your shame when you have picked pride when you have strayed off into sin when you have acted like a punk which all of us do if you operate under that, then you will always be afraid of what I might be creating out in front of you. But if you stay in the shadow of the cross, then you're not boasting anything but the cross. So 
what you know what are you worried about and that felt like a pretty significant moment for me as i look ahead and it was so good that Kristen was there yeah i was just so moved by the humility of the leaders and speakers and worship band the consecration that they pursued the hunger for a real move of god that they don't want to manufacture it it was deeply deeply meaningful still like i said we got home friday night still processing were there many asbury students that went either apart from that or with you or i think we had about 15 asbury students there so not a ton so was it it any and all or did you guys personally invite some specific folks you already ministered to there's some leaders that already were going, student leaders that are already going. And then Passion was really generous and gave any Asbury student a discount. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was a sweet, sweet group. Is there any way, I mean, I know with events, I mean, any event, like we do an event for 400 people, not that big a deal. But, you know, it's, it's like, how do you keep the momentum from that going and one-off events are what they are. They're one-off events. What did you see? And I mean, you're, you're speaking very, very kindly and, and uh, super gracious towards what you saw and experienced there from a unity, from a taking care of people kind of thing. What, what's the net do you think to help protect this and allow this to go forward? Cause I've seen posts from random people who went to it. It just really, you know, it was neat. There's a girl, me and another woman got to help lead to the Lord, gosh, almost 30 years ago when she was a college student at a college I worked at. And, you know, I remember saying I worked at that school for three and a half years and the Lord had me there only for that girl to come to know Jesus. It was worth it. She posted something over the weekend about her son's experience at passion wow. lit my heart on fire, like nobody's business. Cause I didn't know, where she was today walking with the Lord, but obviously I think she is and her son's getting after it by what he was sharing and posting or whatever. But is there a sense that they have something to kind of foolproof as much as they can, which, you know, with 55,000 people, it's not going to happen across the board, but what did you see? What were you impressed by? What were they declaring to see that move beyond that moment? Yeah. I, I don't know all the nuts and bolts, but it was great how they led it. of just like, there's the reality of like, we can't stay in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, mm-hmm. you know. Like, we could stay at Asbury, but even after a while, we needed to yep. catalyze. So there really was a vision, I hope, in what what I shared and and how they steered it. Like, go go, bring this to your campus and pour it out. And you know, I think something like what happens at Passion, along with Asbury, but I think Asbury, we could have we had a little bit more ability to respond and you know get people grounded and rooted into things was sometimes you just need an experience to see it and because you see it you walk back on campus with a a new level of faith or vision Mm. you know so of course you know it'd be amazing if all fifty-five thousand people landed in discipleship small groups and have this discipleship curriculum. I, I can't imagine how they could do that. I don't know exactly what passion does. I'm new to that, but I do think it plays a role. You know, in First Corinthians 12, you talk about like, this is the body, some of the ear, the, the eyes, the feet. Like, I think passion is a toe and it's a pretty spectacular toe, but its role is very specific to, to invest in, in, in catalyze and cast vision and have this moment and i think the campus minister who catches that student or the campus pastor or the college pastor or the lead pastor of their local church is another body part who will then in partnership with passion 
continue on with the discipleship. And I'm thinking about, uh, I've been thinking about Numbers 13, the two spies of Joshua and Caleb. And they saw the promised land. They saw it. They smelt it. They, they tasted it. They, you know, and they went back and told us a story of what it was like and that, that we're able to get there. And I think what we saw at Asbury now is like, we just have a bunch of two spies going back to their places saying mm. like, Hey, this is, yeah, it is hard. Like there is 10 spies telling a different story, mm. right? But I could be a two spy and saying, no, just takes getting out of the way, radical humility, purity, hunger, lingering a little bit, waiting on the Lord, letting the next generation lead. In all reality, it was ex- the exact same thing happened at Passion on Friday. It just happened to be in a stadium with Christian celebrities leading worship and preaching. Like, mm. but that's that's just a wineskin, you know. I mean, that's that's not wrong. It's just a wineskin. The wine, the new wine in it is what we can tell the story about. So what I think you have is a lot of new two spies kind of people that can go back to their campus, come back to their churches, go back to their families and say, I've seen it and it's awesome. We can get there. We can experience renewal. We can experience a fresh outpouring of the spirit. It just, we're going to need to do some things. So I like what you That's said exciting. in there about new, kind of a new and renewed faith and vision is what they could go back with. I'm like, well, if that happens, that's, that's plenty. That's super encouraging. Yeah. That's really good. You know, it's funny you mentioned J.P. Pecluda. Did you happen to see his sermon he did a few months back at Passion City when he was there one Sunday? And he had this great little acted out, almost scene of what it's like if you go to heaven someday and talk about not sharing your faith. Did you, did you see that at all? Mm-mm. I'll have to no. send it to you later. It was unbelievable. I've shared that so many stinking times about, you know, what we're missing out on when we don't share our story, our testimony, talk about Jesus on a personal level. So I'm sure he might've tied that in even a little bit there, but yeah, just a neat. Yeah. I really appreciate JP. He gave an illustration at passion. That was like so gold. He's, he's really gifted. It's cool to see his voice is really being received by this generation in a special way. Yeah, he was, wasn't he a part of the uh, stuff that took place? Was it last year there was something pretty significant that happened at Auburn? Yeah, he was down there, I think. So he came to Asbury. That's where I met him. And we had a sweet moment. I had no clue who he was. He just was really, really kind, really, really tall dude. That's true. <laughs> and, then, um, and then, yeah, when stuff happened at Auburn, he was there. So he's, he's a gift to the Capital C Church for yeah, sure. Yeah, no doubt. So let's talk about this. We talked about this before. You've had a lot happen in the last year. January 2022, Zach. January 2024, Zach. Tell me about how those guys are different. Oh, yeah. 2022. So the outpouring happened in 23. So you're saying two years. Yep. We'll give it time to build up to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, 2022, part of our story, I don't know if I shared this last podcast, but, you know, in 2020, we lost our middle daughter Mm -hmm. and Esther passed away. We almost lost my wife. So I would say, you know, January 2022, I was working for the nomination, was really excited about what we were doing. And what was interesting was 
I don't think I realized how much I put a lot of my identity in that role and a lot of my vision for what's next, almost in like careerism, like climbing a ladder at this denomination. And, and there was a level of striving and hustling for sure in 2022. And then that year was a year of kind of, that's when uh, this, this role opened up. That was kind of my dream job and started interviewing for that role in 2022. We, we also had our uh, youngest daughter that year, the complexities of having a healthy, beautiful baby while we're missing our other baby. And uh, so lots of transition work was going well and then was a finalist for this position and ended up not getting the position was like heartbroken and uh realizing levels of identity was marked in that then processing at the end of that year 2022 was our two-year anniversary of our daughter's death and my wife had like a uh, ptsd episode and was in the hospital for multiple days and was just deeply shaken and i think during that time, just realizing that everything has potential for formation if I let it and just trying to say yes as much as I could. So, you know, beginning of 22 was, man, I'm going to have this possibility, this vision for a role that fit my story and fit what I thought. And then, you know, 2024, starting off speaking at Passion about <laughs> a whole nother thing. You know, I would look back at 2022, Zach, and just kind of giggle, you know? Yeah. And not that it's bigger and better, and that role with Envision is lesser. I, it's amazing. One of my dear friends is leading that organization in that role and is doing a tremendous job. And passion is not any better than developing the next generation of missionaries. It's just different. And hopefully I look more like Jesus. I might not have a job title or you know clarity that way still don't really but at the end of the day when we go to bed if we look more like jesus then we're in, we're in good shape so so you um, know i think for, i think for a lot of us we you know if we've grown up in a church songs like you know the great hymns the how great thou art um it is well amazing grace you know the list goes on we could talk about those all day is there a song like i was thinking as you were talking it as well but then I thought about how great thou art. You know, you could throw in like beat out my vision or whatever. Is there a hymn that maybe over the last few years means a little bit more to you than it did, you know, when you were a kid growing up and you heard it? I mean, granted, you were, I know yeah, you were just, younger, you were older coming to the Lord. So I don't want to overstep yeah. where you were. But when you first heard a certain hymn till now, is there one that maybe means a little bit more to you? Man, it is funny. I don't know hymns very well. I feel bad. I'm not a very good Christian. <laughs> um, like I don't really know a whole lot of Christmas songs and stuff because I just since giving my life to Christ, I've been in churches that don't really sing hymns. But yeah, I think every night, Eden, my six year old, and and I sing, you know, just a simple "I love you, Lord." Mm. Uh, I lift my voice. Yep, great song. And I think it's just like a time of submission. This is just this season has just been marked by like, hopefully marked by love by the Lord and just like. I lift my voice like this is all I got. So, and uh, out of love. So, yeah, it's maybe not a very 
satisfactory answer. Oh no, that's a simple. That's that's him asking a more yeah. modern way. But any song that's going to use, yeah. there's a little bit of a liturgy, liturgy to it because it's using the same line over and over and over. So no, I, I can go with that one big time. Hey, one of the things we yeah. did, I don't think we talked about last time, Zach, uh, as I recall. What are a couple very specific testimonies from Asbury? Like, you know, Susie, who's a junior, who this happened, or, you know, this staff member, who this happened. What's, give us a couple good testimonies from back in February last year or or since February. Yeah. There's so many. And what's really cool is we're still learning them. You know, like earlier today, someone shared a testimony. I'm like, I've literally never heard that before. Mm. It was a year ago, you know? So, you know, one of my favorite stories was we had this basketball player who gave his life to the Lord because he was a basketball player on campus. He was pretty well known. And he wasn't a bad kid, but it was clear that he didn't know Jesus. He gave his life to Christ, and he was kind of in this group of students that were all lit up and were real involved at Asbury during that point. And they're walking back to their dorm and they see this gentleman in a wheelchair with like, um, kind of, he had tumors that had deformed, deformed parts of his body, Mm. including his face. Wow. And these students, this guy had like given his autographs 30 minutes before this moment. 30 30 minutes you said? Yeah. Wow. They just decided that they would ask to pray for this man. Mm. And, you know, they didn't know better. They didn't know anything. They just saw the pro team up front were praying for people. They had just, you know, this guy had just given us like some boldness. They went and prayed for this guy. And multiple tumors disappeared during the prayer. Wow. Just supernatural healing with, you know, kids who just didn't know better. I love stories of, you know, we have guys who had never preached a sermon ever publicly that there's a guy named Zeke Atha who was going to give his first gospel message like inviting people to come to christ at the outpouring in front of you know whoever many people and we were at at like waffle house till three in the morning working through his sermon i remember he Mm. gave me his sermon it was 90 minutes (laughs) and And you said go longer you need to go two hours yeah he's like i need to get saved so keep preaching uh (laughs) but uh we had to get it down to four minutes oh wow four or five minutes and uh we stayed at Waffle House to like three in the morning and he preached that message and it was unbelievable. That message ended up being broadcasted to almost 4 million people. Oh, wow. And you know, that's a, that's a junior in college or a senior in college and Christian preached one of the best messages I've ever heard on Galatians two twenty, and really like painted a picture that is a huge marker of my experience at that point. So you have these young leaders, emerging leaders that are just stepping out like the basketball player praying or the, two men preaching or Ava Miller, a freshman travailing, praying for the nations and just like feeling like power radiating. You know, we saw lots of people come to Christ. We saw pastors reconcile. I had deeply meaningful reconciliation conversations with pastors in the city that, you know, I was young and was, you mean from your church plant days? Yeah. Mm. You know, like, the church that I had that I had left, it was my when I left, it was messy. It was it was the church was broken, I was broken, and then when I planted, it was it was hard. And I don't know if I would do it over again that way for sure. But I had multiple elders uh, at that church come up and 
and ask for forgiveness. We got to reconcile. Really? They, so they happened to go um, to Asbury during that time? Oh, yeah. Do you think they went and with the intention of seeing you? I don't know. But wow. it was just the kindness of the Lord just would draw us to repentance, you know, and to be able to just be on like one of these gentlemen is just was deeply meaningful in my journey. But we, we grew apart and we're, we were both really hurt by one another. And he was my boss and an elder at that church. And he was coming to be on the prayer team. And he told them that he couldn't be on the prayer team until we could talk. Wow. And we had this deeply meaningful moment. And then he served on the prayer team for the last six days, you know, and that's as much about me as for him. Oh, know? sure. Um, so it was just, it was tremendous, man. So many stories of reconciliation, confession. Zach, how many were like Sorry. that? You talked about pastors in the Lexington area or people specifically tied to your church plant. I mean, how many situations were there like that? How many people came tied to you in the past? Oh, I, w- I don't know. There's a lot of people I'd recognize from pastoring in the city. But uh, that was really the only one that one or two that were like really deeply meaningful, like reconciliation kind of things. Yeah. yeah. You just love to know yeah. where it, it's always interesting to me with things like that. You, you know, we, we know what we know, see what we see, hear what we hear about what God did in a given situation. But something like that would be something that people may never hear about. That's like, oh, yeah. oh that's a significant work of what happened at Asbury way beyond whatever totally. else. Not, not that those yeah. other things are negative by any means, and I don't want to downplay the the big, you know, visual things that people see and hear about. But like your story with that, wow. Oh yeah, there's just unbelievable stories of. It was you know when people are like, "What do you call it?" I'm like, one, I don't want to call it mm-hmm. what you think I should call it, and two, like if you really knew the depth of sin confessed, steps taken towards wholeness. Uh, reconciliation between pastors, leaders, fathers, and kids, kids and parents, like so many things like that. Just unbelievable. You know, part of my story, Jeff, is growing up in a sexually abusive home and uh, my perpetrator was a man and was deeply broken in my my sexuality and kind of overcorrected and caught in high school, became super sexually active with women but there's so many people that came from around the world after hearing my story, specifically men who had never told anyone because it was just so shame inducing, you know, there's like a, and that's been my experience a lot. Is a lot of times men feel less apt to, to come forward and say, I was taken advantage of or attacked or participated in this thing. I think because the fear of being judged or or the embarrassment of that when so i i remember still in my journal having i think i had about 27 men come to me personally and share that part of their story and that was in, fe- them, in february in february during 16 days I had 27 different people share men some of them pastors some of them you know key leaders who just had never shared and those are probably uh, not short conversations either Oh, no. No, yeah. Wow. You probably needed a vacation after just those 27 conversations alone. Oh, man. I have a great friend that sent us to the beach for a couple of days. It's awesome. Oh, wow. So what all have you taken away, you know, uh, later 
what what do you personally not what do we take what are you taking from that time at asbury that we, we could take and learn from based on what you've experienced leadership lessons where did you see satan trying to bring chaos and attack as well whether that was you or other people um so kind of hitting you there with a double barrel loaded question yeah no you're good i think God will do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, where he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. I'm not saying that because of spiritual formation for the last four years, I had been prepared for this moment. But I do think there was things that happened in our journey in the in more private, obscure places of our journey, specifically processing the loss of our daughter. Mm-hmm processing leadership lessons that I really do think a leadership takeaway, a personal takeaway and something that might be encouraging to folks listening is really paying attention to the invitations in the obscure private places in your life to be formed by Jesus. Like, and not for the sake of, asbury happening or your church to grow or that person to come to christ or what would be a couple examples of that from your life zach like what would and i'm assuming you're talking more about invitations from god more of an intimacy you and him kind of level what what would be a couple of examples that where he's brought something out for you oh yeah there's a great book i maybe have shared it last time called invitation to a journey Mm -hmm. you did robert mulholland yeah and they broke, they, they use this image of confrontation, confrontation leading to formation or frustration. And, you know, over the last couple of years, I think probably out of necessity, just really creating a contemplative life that, you know, after this podcast, I will, before I move on to my next thing, I have three questions that I'll ask myself that will give an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to confront things that aren't from him, you know? And those three questions. <laughs> uh, what story am I telling myself? What's the gospel story say about those things? And what non-instinctual steps do I need to take? Say again, what non- Instinctual steps do I need to take? So like right now, I'll be real honest. I don't know if I've been as clear as I hoped in this last 40 minutes. I'm tired, coming out of passion, a little sure. overwhelmed. The story I could tell myself is, oh man, like I don't know if I did that great of a job. I wonder if that would be a blessing if that if Jeff well what the Bible tells me about it is it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I've been faithful. My non instinctual response will be like, Don't hide in it. Mm. Step into your next meeting with confidence. Amen. But it might also be a meeting that like I was sharper or or like short with someone with a non-instinctual response. My flesh is like, don't worry about it. Just move on. My non-instinctual response because of my flesh being yucky and my, but the spirit being good is like, go apologize to that person. Like, or, or whatever. You know, how many times have we been a punk? And, and if we asked those stories, we probably would walk down the hallway and apologize to the person we were punk with. Or whatever, you know. So well, I like the, I like the other focusness, others focusness of what you're saying, and also what can you learn? Because I can imagine somebody's gonna reach out to me later and say, "Man, that Zach podcast, 
when he mentioned those three questions, taking out leaving a meeting or leaving a time of whatever the assignment was, and you take that with you, oh, I, that's going to be the good that someone's going to get and be able to apply to their lives. Praise God. Another question that I ask myself every Friday as I debrief my week is, have I handled my brokenness the way Jesus would handle it? And almost every Friday I say, no. I was embarrassed. I was hard myself. I should on myself. You know, you should have done this. You should have done this. You should have done this. And then I ask, well, well, how would Jesus handle your brokenness? Those kind of questions have helped me in the last years not waste opportunities or formation. I probably have wasted a lot. I probably could look more like Jesus and be less gross, but I think I'm pretty intentional with those things to let them examine me. In the book we're writing, we I use this illustration of like Rocky. Like Rocky wasn't like an unbelievable boxer who just got to the bell every time. Mm. Like you could barely hear him. He was like mumbling. He was not as clean and cool and sexy as the Russian or, you know, like, yeah. but he got to the bell. Yeah. And I just think in my journey, I don't have to be cool or sexy or impressive. I'm just going to get to the, the bell. bell every time. Yeah. Now I got to throw in a little love your way. So I was in Tennessee retreating with some guys last week. And one of the things I, w- I only watched now, I watched two other things, both with the guys, but I watched one thing by myself. I watched the Netflix documentary that just came out called Sly about Sylvester yeah. Stallone, which is phenomenal if you haven't seen it. Have you watched it's it? It's great, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. such a good documentary. Awesome. But that really resonates with me just because I saw that. But, you know, Zach, let me ask you, when you, I mean, you're very much a reflective, contemplative guy, as you said, you've, you know, to whatever degree tried to be that. When you give me questions like that, and you, you could probably tell I was taking notes, typing those out for myself, forget everybody else, I want them. Do you have, like, you and the Lord do business and he gives you those things? Do you meet with someone and you're in a meeting and someone says something like I just did and you take note and you're like, I'm going to use those. Do you go out of your way to find those kind of things? Like how does that stir for you to come up with content that's helpful for you? Yeah. All the above, man. Rich Velotis is an author and preacher pastor. He's been on here. So those, Oh, okay. So those first questions, like what story are you telling yourself? What's the gospel story? Tell you those are, I stole from Rich Velotis. Are you handing your brokenness the way that Jesus is? That was, I felt like the Lord gave me that mm-hmm. in a time of real shame and guilt. So that was from the Lord. There's also questions that I've worked on to represent convictions I have. Mm-hmm. So a lot working with young adults, a lot of times I'm I'm asking them or when they're looking at jobs, I ask them like who don't be as concerned about the what and the how, what you're gonna be doing and how much you're gonna get paid. But ask yourself the who you're becoming. Yep. Yep. And the who you'll be around. And I've turned those questions into into more contemplative yeah. questions for myself of like Okay, who, you know, if you make that decision, who will you be becoming? Mm. Um, if you say no, what will you be becoming? Yep. Who you'll be becoming? Who you'll be around? So, I think it's all the above. When I come to questions like, I remember the first time I heard those questions from Rich Velotis was on a podcast. I was driving, totally broke the law, and like yeah. started texting him to myself. Yeah, know? I've never, done, I've never done that. By the way, okay, good, praise <laughs> God. I love your heart, Nat. I love. 
you know, those are, those are moments where, you know, I think for a lot of us, it's easy to just say, I want to think about where I am right now and who we're becoming. That's a question I've been loving a lot. And I've used it on this podcast a lot because it's not where are we at right now? Where do we get to? It's where are we going? You know, it ties in real well to Philippians one six. So I love that you're doing that. Well, I feel like you and I get into some very meaty, heavy stuff and I love that, but I want a lighter side. I want to end with the rapid five. So quick, uh-huh. heavy hitting, what comes to your mind? They're pretty brief responses. So Zach, what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Man, when I, uh, when I could go to the grocery store and pick out like a treat, it was usually Lucky Charms. Boom. That one's been said before. I, there's a lot of people. I never got into those. Fr- I, I like Fruit Loops and Fruity Pebbles, but otherwise, if it was a fruity cereal, I didn't do much with it. But there you go. You're you're in line with a whole lot of people. Praise the Lamb. <laughs> Zach, what about, uh, what's your favorite book you most want to gift or have given to other people? So it's changed over time since... Uh, losing Esther, we bought like two boxes of the same of two books. A book called Gentle and Lowly. Yep. And then a book called Dark Clouds and Deep Mercies. No, one's Dane Ortland, one's uh, Mark Vrogop, right? Uh, yep. So we give those away a lot. I've given away Tale of Three Kings a lot. Mm-hmm. Who's Three Kings? Gene Edwards. Gene yeah. Edwards. Here's another great book called uh, The Prisoner in the Third Cell about Ooh. suffering that's really good wow beholding beholding it is a book by strong coleman but strong is spelled s-t-r-a-h-a-n okay it's from new zealand it's one of the best books on prayer i've ever read wow i was reading that book during the outpouring just oh, wow. when i needed to go just yeah be with jesus i would read strong's beholding and the bible so uh, that's a great book. We've given that out a lot too. Yeah, I was gonna say I had to cut you off, man. You're gonna make my library explode, and I'll I'll be in yeah, 2026 yeah. trying to read some stuff. I'm looking at I'm looking at my uh, bookcase right now. Yeah. Just like cycling. Yeah, that's funny. Super yeah. cool. So if you guys are heading somewhere on vacation, and your daughter's saying she wants to go, or you know you're taking her, and you, she's got to go to the bathroom sooner than you thought, and you're like, okay, we got to stop here to eat, and your choices of this exit sign sooner than you thought are McDonald's, Chick Fil A. We'll assume you've been out west and had in and out Burger at some point. Which one of those three yeah. places you go into? The Lord's Chicken. There you go. You were ready for that question. I think you probably would take all three on some level if you could, right? Mickey D's can make my tummy hurts. Yeah. You know who loves some Mickey D's is I'm going to see him this weekend. Neighbor Getsy. He loves him some Mickey D's. Really? Yeah. Dude, I have a – man, I love Neighbor Getsy. Yep. I will see him Friday night. Um, what's the movie that gets you locked in every time? If you were to stumble across this movie, you were watching it any, every time. Locked in, like focused yep. or like just real enjoyable. Yep. You're not, you're not moving. You are watching that movie till the end. Mm, the green mile gets me every Ooh, time. That's a good one. Green mile. Miracle. Oh, wow. I remember exactly where I was when that happened uh, in real life. That thing will make me cry. Green Mile, Miracle, Inception. I never saw that one. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll be praying for you. Well, you know the movie I'm super pumped about? There's two movies. My two favorite franchises both come out with movies this summer. One on Netflix, one at the theaters. My middle son and I love Planet of the Apes. I've loved them since I was a kid. Oh, dude, they're so good. New Planet of the Apes. And the bigger one, which I shared about on Facebook a couple days ago, in June, I think it is, maybe it's May, 
on Netflix, Eddie Murphy. I can hear the music going to my head right now. Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills Cop Come on, somebody. Four and three was terrible, yeah. but four looks really good. I'm excited. Taggart's back. Come on. There you go. Well, Zach, always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to the next time we're hanging out. I told you I'm getting your way yeah, soon. Man. Unfortunately, you're gone, but we will make something I hope happen sooner than later. Yeah, man, so grateful for you. It's been so fun to talk. And You too, my friend. Um, Any way we can keep cheering each other on and partnering. Let's monitor. do it. I know it's probably a ways off. When do we expect the book might be out? Uh, this time next year. Okay. So okay. would love to, yeah, we'll talk, but to join. Yes. Talk about that. And, 100%. Uh, just be just be praying for it. It's coming quick, but it feels weighty. Awesome. So, yeah. All right. Well, we will uh, be talking again, I'm sure, very soon. Thanks, cool. my friend. Super appreciate you. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.